0: You know to me it was a little bit of explaining certain things like the research that i haven't been doing the writing i have not the publishing that i haven't hasn't been happening you know i've got a million great ideas i've i've got 400 outlines that i've put together i've done a ton of research but just nothing has come together and so part of it was to tell him to even hold me accountable you know it's like i think i've got the tools to be more productive you know i i think that i'm getting closer to getting this under control that I will be able to contribute more to the academy from our department, from our school. ADHD Rewired,
1: Episode 87. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me thank our sponsors. Before we get started with today's episode, I do want to let you know that my audio on this interview might sound a little funny. Um, I got a new audio piece of equipment, and I don't think I had the settings correctly, so my S's are kind of uh, de-essed, it's actually the name of a thing called the de-esser, um, and uh, so I got this gate compressor, you probably don't care about that, but I do want to let you know that if it doesn't sound the way it usually does, I am aware of it, and we'll hopefully have that sound resolved really soon. Um, there might be another episode next week where you hear the same kind of issue, um, but I am aware of it, and uh, that's all the apologizing I'm going to do for now, so enjoy the episode. I know how much you like to plan ahead. It, it was a joke. If you're interested in the ADHD Rewired Winter Coaching Group, you can let me know at coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. We begin in January. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash Rewired. Check show notes for link. Welcome to another episode of ADHD Rewired. We are doing another live blab. So this episode is going to be another one where we're going to involve the community. But at the end, what people are going to get to experience, whether you are listening on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud, or you are here live in the live blab, we're going to have a conversation. And then towards the end, we are going to open it up. For Q and A, so my guest today is Kent Cursey. Now, I am, hope I'm saying that name right because I probably messed it up. Judging by the, the nine, of the, eh, it's close but not quite. Yeah, it's like Jersey with a K. So okay, um, and I, you know, I think at least once a day I'm telling someone it's it's Tivers, not Tivers. So I I totally get it. So yeah, Kent Cursey, Ker- <laughs> yes. Kersey?
0: yeah, there okay. you go, perfect. Kent
1: Cursey. Can um, I'm just going to let you kind of introduce yourself, kind of what what you do and what's your relationship with ADHD.
0: Yeah. So my name is Kent Kersey. I actually teach uh, theology, philosophy, history type classes at a uh, small Christian college in Salem, Oregon. been here about 13 years and uh, absolutely love it. And... My association with ADD is I was um, just recently diagnosed, but I suspected about 10 years ago that I was uh, that I had these tendencies. Uh, someone close to me was diagnosed about 10 years ago. And I hadn't. And to me, the whole ADD thing was, I you know, I just figured that something kids get who have problems in school. That's really all I knew. And as I started to read more about it, I realized this is me. This is this is describing me down to a T. And so I actually went to my doctor, general practitioner, asked her about it. She was a newer doctor, and I don't think she really thought it was a thing, a real thing. And she talked me out of it said, oh, don't worry about it. You're successful. You're fine. And it wasn't until just this last summer that I was talking to my doctor about something else. And it just came to mind. It's like, you know, I do have this other thing. And he encouraged me to actually go get tested. I was tested Uh, And the guy who did the testing says, "Man, you're way off the charts. I don't know how you made it um, this far." And uh, so, been more intentional about treatments and dealing with it. Really, over the last two or three months, and have noticed some some big differences. You're
1: really, really new to this diagnosis.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it is so
1: cool when when someone who wants to come onto this podcast and they're so new to it, and I think that speaks volumes to the this. We, we feel like we've been living this this almost mystery of a lie, and, and not even a lie, but just this unknown part of our life, and we're so eager to share because then we can share this experience with others, especially when you, I think, been late diagnosed. You know, there's a very cathartic kind of process to that.
0: Yeah.
1: But so do you remember what it was like for you when you when you? first started reading about something. Do you remember what it was you were reading and kind of what was going on during that time for you?
0: Yeah, it was actually, uh, so I'm I'm reading about it and I realized that this described me, you know, distractions. Uh, One of the things was even like, when you're driving, do you get frustrated when you're driving? And yes, everybody else out there is an idiot except me when I'm driving, you know, they should just be off the road. And I realized, man, why am I so upset when I'm driving, and that was one of the things that it was talking about that this is a this is a symptom. Mm-hmm. And I I realized that and one of the things that questioned because I actually have a PhD, been fairly successful academically, professionally, and remember thinking, well, this can't be me because it's people with problems, it's people who don't get through school very well. And talked to a doctor at that time, and this doctor had actually he had ADD. And all of a sudden light bulbs and I was like, oh, OK, um, I guess it is possible to have this and still be fairly successful, you know, professionally. And um, and so I realized a lot of what was happening was that I was compensating a lot and mm-hmm. hadn't realized it. And there actually were positives. Um, a lot of creativity is uh, I, I used a lot of creativity in my job and realized that's probably one of the positive aspects of, of what's what are going some
1: on. ways that you use creativity in your job
0: yeah um actually when i I was hired here as uh when I came after I finished my my work uh at grad school and I had two half time jobs and as I think back in retrospect, that's probably an a d d thing you know you're just jumping around from one job to the other uh, and I was actually campus pastor and on faculty and so i i was i oversaw chapel things like that. And so that was constantly meant I was preparing messages, I was planning, I was working with students. And so just a lot of things And you, and when you work as students, you want to be creative. You want to figure out ways to tell the same story in a more creative way. And as I look back on that, I realized that uh, I I was using creativity, that I if I didn't have this condition, maybe I wouldn't have had it at that level. Yeah,
1: yeah you know, and I think too, it's it's funny when you say you're doing all these different things. I think about myself, you know, my, my training is as a social worker. And, you know, when, when someone asks me what I do, I thought it was a, a long winded answer. I'm a social worker. I'm a coach. I'm a podcaster. I'm a speaker. I'm a, uh, you know, social media, um, you know, hobbyist. Um, yeah. I play frisbee golf. You know, it's <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm yeah, a exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's so many things and it's, you know, it's like, what's, what is exciting us in that moment is what we do. And, you know, I, I have no idea what I'll be doing in 10 years from now. When you think about that question about what do you think you'll be doing in 10 years from now? What, what kind of comes to your mind?
0: Yeah, actually one of the, um, the things that's happened since I started treatment in a couple different ways is that I actually see myself as, as an academic. I mean, that's what I am. I, I'm now a professor and uh, and now I have hope that 10 years from now, I will have written a couple books and been published and do more speaking. Whereas even three or four months ago, I had a lot of great ideas about what I'd like to do. And really, for academic institutions, they want you to be doing those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I had a million great ideas of what I would want to do. But now I actually feel like I have the tools to get a lot of that stuff done.
1: What are some, so, what were some of those great ideas if you want to share it? And that is yeah, yeah. like, well, I can't release
0: this yet. <laughs> no, well, you know, a couple of things that, um, I'm, I'm interested. I love, um, culture, pop culture, movies, those sort of things. And in fact, right now I teach a class called Christianity and contemporary culture and I help the students see how, as believers, we can actually watch films, listen to music, watch TV shows, and actually can can get some fairly deep ideas from them. We a couple of weeks ago we looked at um, the album by the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, and realized that's actually an amazing narrative about American culture and romance and marriage, all these sorts of things. We just recently, you know, we looked at The Godfather, things like that. And so as I watch movies and popular culture. Uh, I always have these ideas of of what I'd like to do with that, and, um, you know, maybe that's publishing, maybe that's uh, doing more speaking on these things, Uh, but but that's one of the things that really interests me is being able to link, you know, faith to the real world that Mm -hmm. that people are living in, especially for our students. It's it's practical. It's useful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times you are watching something, and go, Oh, that's a great idea. And it's just gone. You know, again, those ideas when you, I've never had that happen. Yeah. Yeah. The last what was I minutes? just talking about? I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and now I feel, and especially I think because of some medications I'm taking is that I can control those thoughts. I think we talked before, before I took the medications, I realized my thoughts were a room full of three-year-olds screaming for attention and now I they actually will sit and wait and I can actually get work done. I can say, okay, that's a good thought. Let me write that down and think of it later. Uh, and so I, I feel a lot more confident that I can actually get some productivity done.
1: And I remember um, you, you using that analogy and i and I mentioned to you that a, one of my past guests, Ryan McCray, who actually, and I back and
0: listened, yeah, who actually spoke was good, to today. You
1: know? And, um, cause he's got some cool stuff coming out and, um, at the time when I asked you about it, you had not listened to that episode, wasn't that right?
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's so it's, funny how we have these, you know, you can have, yeah.
1: never meet someone and have this like the same analogy in your head. I think it just, it really exemplifies the nature of, of you know, this disorder of ADHD and where and how powerful metaphors and stories are into understanding this Be, yeah. you know, beyond the, the list of 18 symptoms of of You know, with an ADHD, I think when we can understand the stories of it, it really makes it make a lot more sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing I've been noticing, I think this sort of relates. But the cool thing about this podcast is you can just jump all over the place. Right. Um, One thing I've noticed with especially students, because I started 13 years ago here. I think that's what I said. uh, And that was before Facebook and the Internet really, you know, nobody really had the Internet at all. It's back in the old days, you know, you walk uphill to school in the snow type stuff. Both ways. And uh, now there's so much distraction out there that I think people who don't even really have ADD, there are so many symptoms out there in the general public because there's so much to distract us, right? And, um, And I think maybe understanding those stories can even help us relate to people who are just being distracted by life and so many things out there that are screaming for our attention. And I
1: think that too. It's a really interesting uh, kind of conversational piece talking about you know is the digital you know age that we're living in is it causing ADHD? And let me be real clear. No, yeah. um, it, it exacerbates people who have ADHD, and it and it does also create ADHD like symptoms exactly. in people. Yeah. But that is that is different than actually having ADHD because ADHD is a neurobiological developmental delay um, versus something that you know may. You know what I'll be interested to see too, and I don't think we're there yet, is looking at studies of you know what we would call healthy control studies, and so all the normal people out there, and looking at at their kind of people who have experienced um, long term kind of internet use and are, are on social media a lot and who are maybe currently struggling with um, like net-based addictions or, or um, video game addictions and, and things where they're really having a hard time kind of with that, that balance and compare some of the, the, the functional brain studies between mm-hmm. the ADHD brain and, uh, and the brain of someone who's just on this digital media all the time and their attention span is going from one thing to the other every three seconds I think it's something of, of interest, but I don't think yeah. we have the comparison studies yet to to show that. Um but yeah. we do know I mean it's interesting because we know that the more we think whatever we are doing or not doing, we are wiring or rewiring our brain. All of that being said, so I do think that we are we are um changing brain networks by what we are doing.
0: But so there, do you think that mm-hmm. like a, you know, you take a college student today? And if you could look at, if you map his brain, I'm not sure how that works. Would it look differently from a a student from 1975?
1: Well, here's the thing with with brain scans is that we know in group study that there are clear distinctions between ADHD uh, and non-ADHD people, okay? Um, The diagnostic tools, the the brain imaging uh, that is currently available is not accurate enough to be able to, with any accurate measure, be able to identify from an individual basis. So that's where we use statistical analysis and say, mm-hmm. okay, we're looking at, at the averages, the composite pictures, and then we see significant differences uh, between it. But there's, but from the individual basis, there's too many false positives and, 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 mm-hmm. and vice versa. So um, yeah. and I think we're going to be there um, in, in our lifetime where yeah. we will be able to identify things um, based on, on brain scan, but we're not, we're not there yet.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, my suspicion is, I mean, the brains of the college student today is so different, you know, because it used to be, you'd have to remember the capital of Brazil or whatever, but now, you know, you pull this guy out and four seconds later you have it, you know? And so it seems like that has to somehow affect the way we think.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think we should set a timer. Hang on. Ah, there you go. What's the capital of
0: Brazil? São Paulo, Brasília. That's it.
1: Right. So, I like, don't so it. That's why do I we have know. to remember yeah. that exactly? And you know, I was talking to someone recently um, about this idea that we need to be in 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 our school systems move away from help from just focusing on facts. We need to be moving towards critical thinking and creativity because that is where the the economy is going. I think that's where it already yes. is. And yeah. if we're not, we're not educating critical thinkers, we're just going to be left behind.
0: Yeah. And that, I mean, you know, there's this, I, I think our understanding, especially like higher ed is, is the model of like a dump truck, you know, like you go somewhere and they just dump a bunch of information in there. And that's what it used to be. But now with the internet, I have, I have all that information at my fingertips, you know, and it could be a student walks, you know, a student walks into my class, let's see a theology class, and I've got a certain amount of information in there because I have studied this, but a curious student who knows how to look things up the right way on Google is really smarter than me because he has at his fingertips more information. And so um, so I think we need to, especially for higher ed, it needs to go from this model of collection, a bunch of stuff to curation where we are not so much dumping stuff in your truck or like whitewater rafting guide or something. It's like we could go down the route and say, hey, look it's at that. that sounds so
1: route. much more ADHD friendly, too.
0: <laughs> and see, I think that's why, uh, you know, the, again, the positive things is is I think I've been forced to think this way just for myself. And it probably has come in line with the way I think especially higher ed is is going in the future. It just has to. There's, you know, there's way too much information to try and be an expert on something. But um, we can we can guide people towards, as you're on your journey, look at that, check this out and wisely use that information that is readily available. I think that's the key is don't collect a bunch of information, but, you know, be very wise about how you use that information. Uh, And I think that's the difference it's going to, it's going to be in the future. Yeah.
1: So um, what, if you, what, if you mind sharing with us, what are some of the, um, and you, know, you talked about some of the things that you like to do at, uh, with your job um, as a professor. What are some of the challenges that you've faced um, uh, as a professor with ADHD uh, and how have you been navigating those?
0: Yeah, the, you know, the the biggest um, issue for me is just grading, uh, you know, a paper. It, it's fine if there's one paper that a student writes and I read it and that's fine, I can move on. But when you have like 80 students uh, doing the same project, right? Cause there's sometimes you just have to, here's a book. You gotta read it. You gotta give me two pages of summary. You know, that's just part of the thing. It's this important book. You have to summarize it. And, you know, I can read two of those and I'm fine. But after the third or fourth one, there are a million different things that my attention goes to or wants to go to. And, um, and so part of the way I do it, you know, part of you just have to grind through it sometimes. Mm-hmm. You just have to just do it. And that's really hard. Uh, But sometimes I've found that if I redesign the assignment a little bit, you know, give me one page of what you didn't like on it or something like that. And so every page is going to be a little bit differently. Uh, I did one assignment when I was teaching biblical literature is I had uh, students do a first person paper. And that was you have to pick a Bible character and write from their perspective what they learned. And those were great because they were all different and they were all really interesting. It was like creative writing. And that was awesome. I love going through that. And I have students do, you know, observations. And if they're all different, that's fine. But once they start all looking the same. That sounds awful
1: to me, oh, having it's to go not, through something that's all it's, the same.
0: And, you know, but part of my responsibility as a professor, they're paying for an education. They're paying for me to assess their work. And you just have to do it at some some point.
1: You know, for so, me, though, you Ken, know, that when, when I, uh, there's certain things that I, I, where you couldn't pay me enough to do and I, and, I, and you could tell me you know look through these 100 uh, page spreadsheet and and try to find this anomaly in each page you can and i'll give you a, a million dollars to do it i was like it it's not going to happen like i'll, I'll give if, you I'll if three pages it. and i'll be like okay some someone like poke my eyes out right now with a hot like gouger gotcha because i can't do this like yeah. Yeah, it would make me so, i mean just the thought of it makes me uncomfortable <laughs>
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, and it's interesting is after I started some medication, I was able to sit mm. and just do the work. And I realized, oh, my goodness, you know, 40 minutes have gone. And I I just got a bunch of work done, you know, or the, the Pomodoro method. I think so was, good. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And uh, the Pomodoro method, you know, when you just have a timer there and, OK, I can do this for five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. And the timer's there and you see it. OK, I can do it. I can do it. And so when you combine those two things, like that method with, you know, some medication that's helping regulate it, it's pretty amazing. I I have been able to um, just get so much more work done. So
1: mm -hmm. what we're going to do right now is we are going to take a quick break uh, for the podcast listeners and um, to to pay the bills and and thank our sponsors and to to let people know uh, a little bit more about what's kind of going on here. I bought my plane ticket. My hotel room is booked. I'm registered for the conference. What's left? I have to finish my presentation. I have plenty of time. Wait, no, no, I don't. Okay, don't panic. I have most of it done. I just have to tweak a few things and completely rewrite my introductory story to reflect the latest insights that I've had about, that have been swimming around in my head. I'm going to get back to working my presentation in just a moment. In the meantime... If you haven't registered for the conference yet, it's November 12th through the 14th in New Orleans. The Big Easy. And look, I know some of you might be thinking, I can't afford this conference. It's 240 bucks for the conference. And it's probably going to be at least a couple hundred bucks for airfare, unless you drive. And then the hotel, although it could be cheaper if you split it with somebody. I think you can do that on the website. But either way, that's going to be like a couple hundred bucks. And and. It could all total up to 700 or $800 or maybe even more, but it's not like that supersonic gumball machine that you ordered last year on a whim, by the way, which I think was awesome. This is an investment. You could spend a year reading all the books that have been written by all the speakers who will be at this year's conference, or you can come see them present and talk to them. And who knows, maybe even have a drink with them. You could wait until the conference is over and buy the audio afterwards, but let's get real for a moment. What are the chances that you will actually get yourself to sit down and listen to this on your own? I mean, maybe you will, and if you do, great, because I would recommend it. The past audio for past conferences is also on the website, so I would check it out. But seriously, join me at the biggest tribal event for the ADHD community. Go to chad.org. That's C-H-A-D-D And find out if I finish my presentation in time. Oh, man, I hope no one from that CHAD conference planning committee is listening to this. And if you are, I have it all under control. There's nothing to worry about. November 12th to the 14th. Don't wait. Go to CHAD.org. See you there. It's ADHD Awareness Month trivia time. <laughs> what do? Stephanie Sarkis, Ari Tuckman, Roberta Olivardia, Terry Matlin, Alan Brown, Rick Green, Melissa Orlov, and Elaine Taylor-Klaus all have in common? If you guessed that they've all been featured with me on this podcast, that's one right answer, but that's not the only one. They are also featured speakers at this year's ADHD Awareness Expo. This is an online free expo. Other speakers include Sari Solden, Lori Depar, David Gwerk, David Noel, Casey Dixon, and others. 26 experts all in one week. And the best part is, it's free. And of course, you won't want to miss my session on productivity and vulnerability. My session is scheduled for Thursday, October 29th at 12 p.m. Central Time. There really is no reason you should not register for this right now. It's free. Go to ADHDexpo.com. That's ADHDexpo.com. And I'll see you there. boom, boom. Audible trial.com slash ADHD rewired for your free download. slash ADHD rewired. Go to audible adhdrewired slash ADHD rewired for your free audiobook download. All right, we are back with Kent Kersey, and I got your name right this time.
0: Yes, that's awesome. All right. Mr. Typers. yeah, that's really good.
1: (laughs) So what we're going to talk about um, as we move through this conversation, because we're going to have some time for Q&A at the end. So I want to talk about kind of tips, strategies, and other maybe challenges that you've had and how you've worked around those. But I do, again, want to remind everybody that the uh, Chad International Conference on ADHD is coming up November twelfth through the fourteenth, um, I will be a speaker there, and um, I mean, I think right now they have seventy plus speakers there. It's in New Orleans. If you have not uh, ever been to an ADHD conference and you're like, I'm new to this whole ADHD thing, and you just want to like stand in front of the fire hose of information, come to the chat conference. All right, so Kent, you were you were recently diagnosed, you've recently started taking medication, and uh, so you're, you're a teacher. I'm just kind of recapping yeah. for those who have just joined us um, or for those who are listening on the podcast. I forgot what we were talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, you did also tell me that you did recently share that you have ADHD with your boss.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, with work, yeah, at work I've, I've talked to just a, a few people, maybe, you know, maybe October being Awareness Month. This will be coming out. And that will make very big headlines, won't they? Cursey comes out. And, uh, what's that mean? And, uh, so yeah, I, I talked to actually my direct boss, who's the, uh, dean of the school that I'm in. And then also talked to actually my provost yesterday about that I was going to be on this podcast. And, uh, and so Corbin College, Corbin University is where we're at. So he said, mention the name. <laughs> and, uh, so, but yeah, it was, you know, to me, it was, a little bit of explaining, maybe certain things like um, the the research that I haven't been doing, the writing I haven't, the publishing that I haven't hasn't been happening, um, and I think part of it can be attributed to the fact that I just you know I've got a million great ideas, I've I've got 400 outlines that I've put together, I've done a ton of research, but just nothing has come together. And so part of it was just sharing that, like um, saying, you know, I, I think that I'm getting closer to getting this under control that I will be able to contribute more to the academy from our department, from our school. And what was and, his, well, uh, let me ask two questions. What sparked yeah. the conversation and then what was his response? He was, yeah, very supportive. Um, and I think part of it was just looking back and um, that, the Within academics, there are expectations that you are doing outside the classroom, you are publishing, you're doing those sorts of things. And it maybe it was more of an internal thing that I was recognizing that I really hadn't done a whole lot. You know, I mean, I've, I've spoken at a couple of conferences, done a few things here and there, and uh, just realizing I, I want to do more in that area. I haven't been doing more in that area, why not? And And so part of it was to tell him, to even hold me accountable. You know, it's like, I think I've got the tools to be more productive, you know, in the classroom. I think I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Um, but I would like, there are books that I have inside of here that I'd like to do. I can so relate to that. Yeah. And, and I, and I do feel now that I can do this. And part of it too, you know, talking to my provost, um, you know, he shared stories about people that he knows who have recently been diagnosed and was very supportive. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think it's, it'll be interesting. And I've talked to some students. I talked to the, uh, the guy who runs our, um, student support and told him, you know, hey, I'd love to, um, help st- or talk to students who need help, that sort of thing. It was really interesting. It was like not even 10 minutes later. A student came to my door and it's like, hey, I've got something going on. That's awesome. Like, wow, I that's just great. told him like 10 minutes ago. And so I've, I've had, a, you know, a few conversations like I'm not a professional, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a licensed coach or anything. But here are things that I've done that have, that have worked for me and would suggest incorporating them into, into your schedules. You know, you know?
1: Can, and one of the things that you said to really want to highlight, and that's the difference between people, um, you know, using ADHD as, a, you know, as an excuse. Versus an explanation. You shared with your boss, you know, here's what's been going on. But you didn't say, okay, well, can you help me? Like You explained the challenge that you were having. You explained why you believe you're having it. And you, you explained what you, th- you are trying to do right now that is going to help resolve yeah. this, this problem that you're having. And that is taking accountability. It is an explanation. It is by no means using as an excuse. And Kent, well executed.
0: Yeah, and I I remember because it, it took a while to figure that. Out. You know, I talked to my wife, and there's a, a good friend I have here I've talked to. And Mike, do I talk to him about it? And because I know that's really tricky, depending on your job and your relationship with your boss mm-hmm. and your supervisor. You know, sometimes those it's not always safe to share a lot of information. You know, you've you've got to be really careful. And if it was a different situation, I might not have, but. Uh, this is, but my boss is awesome. And really this, the support at this school is, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, everybody, you know, is going through different journeys and this is just the one you're on. So that's, that's great.
1: Okay. Here's, here's a question that I'm kind of wondering about. Do you think that some of the support you received um, was contextual in the sense that, so you're, you are a a teacher in a, in a field, Coming from using the right word, yeah. theologic institution. Yeah,
0: theology, yeah, it's a it's a Christian university. We have a Baptist background. We're not really no, technically a Baptist school right now, but it is. Are so using
1: Christ- Baptist in quotes?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's a whole other story. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is a basically a Christian liberal arts college. So we our biggest majors are actually education and business. Um, and, you know, we have psychology, right? So it's basically all the liberal arts. And, uh, so yeah,
1: yeah. You felt there's more compassion.
0: You know, yeah, it really is, you know, the academic world is very interesting because there are some institutions, a lot of research institutions that are very competitive. And mm-hmm. it maybe wouldn't be safe to share that kind of thing because you are, you know, it's, it's dog eat dog basically, you know, who, who can get published in the more, most prestigious ways. Those are the ones who get advanced. But, uh, there really is a great ethos here of, um, of grace being shown to people. And, uh, and so knowing that I, I felt, safe to be able to, you know, I, I really feel like I could go to my supervisor and share just about anything, you know, because they are very, um, very gracious in so many ways.
1: And how has he done in the realm of respecting that information that you shared with him? Because I've, I've heard of situations where someone would share and then their boss liberty to share it with everybody else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I trust that he's actually a, a pastor. Uh, he, he does teaching and pastoring both together. And so he, he knows how to keep confidential, uh, information confidential. And the fact that when I talked to my, the provost the other day, he he had no idea what was happening. So, um, so yeah, I, I think they're, they respect very much that, uh, you know, this information stay, you know, like I control who, who hears it, and who doesn't basically, you know,
1: OK, well, what has been your most surprising reaction that you've that you've gotten so far to uh, with anyone that you've shared your ADHD with?
0: You know, it, it probably was actually my doctor when uh, after I got the diagnosis, um, he's a great doctor. I I respect him. I like him a ton. And uh, he's, he really is a great doctor. And but when I got the official diagnosis from the psychologist saying, yeah, here, you know, so 10 page report, you know, detailing everything and saying, you know, the doctor is saying, yeah, I would recommend medication, those sorts of thing. And he was, you know, I had that conversation with him I said, well, here's what he said. Where do we go next? And he, he was like, Hey, okay, you're a professor at a university. You're not like a college, you know, a student who's flunking out of community college for the 15th time. You've been successful, you know, you've been promoted, you, Basically, you know, professionally, you're you're way above anybody else who I've seen with this issue. Do you really want to change anything? You know, and, and we had a little push back and forth where, you know, I said, so I'm getting the vibe. You don't want to, you know, prescribe anything. He goes, no, no, no. I'm, I'll do whatever you want to do. But I want you to really think twice before you change anything. And it was great because he said you need to have some benchmark. It's not just how you feel. But you need to have some objective type data, you know, like you try grading, but you can only do two papers. But now you can grade 20 papers is that's an objective standard that you can measure. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so um, so he was it actually got more pushback from him that I expected. But I think it was it was good. It was well thought out. It's like, don't just start taking pills to feel better. You need to have some idea of what this is going to do for you. And so but most people are. You know, very understanding. And uh, but I think there's still that myth out there. In fact, I watched one of your earlier blabs where people are saying, you know, it's a myth, all you know, where it's not a real thing. And, you know, my wife teaches at a public school. She's been teaching for like thirty years. And so, you know, there's so many kids she works with who, you know, it seems like is this an epidemic? Is it, you know, when we were a kid, we were just or be, you know, we just didn't behave very well, but now they're giving pills to kids. They're, and so it seems like in elementary school, especially, this is this is very tricky waters to navigate. You
1: know, and you're talking about the education level, you know, of, you know, you're successful. How could you have ADHD? And, um, the, the episode, I think, episode 85, uh, the one that was released this week. That when we're talking, I'm not sure when this one will be released on the podcast, <laughs> when you listen to it, um, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, you know, it was, we were actually discussing about this, this idea of, of having twice exceptionality. You know, we had, you know, so I, you know, I have a master's degree. I We had one person who just got their, their PhD in neuroscience. We had an attorney, um, and I think it's three, four. We, we yeah. had all, all people, all the people that were, were in the conversation were all highly educated people who all had ADHD. And so it's like, yes, you can be successful and be struggling. You know, yeah, there's no world where it says if you achieve this level of academic uh, success, um, that it's a disqualifier for ADHD, you know. You've overcome it, yeah, you've been cured or something, yeah. Right, you know, and and if for anyone out there who is listening who might be a clinician who is kind of interested in this, you know, if you are working with someone who... Um, is in college or is is in advanced levels of of school ask about well what was that like for you to get through that because you're going to get a very different story than just seeing what they got on paper and that's you know when when i am doing a diagnostic process i'm way more interested in the stories than i am scales yeah because i think that is really where we get a lot more um really good information and you know my training is all about taking data and and really looking at that. And it's interesting because I'm not, I don't move away from the data, but I've been more inclusive of story and mm-hmm.
0: data. Um, yeah, it's hidden data, right? It's, it's, it's hidden in the, in the narrative, right? Yes, and I think that
1: we miss a lot of people that could really, um, who really need the help because we're just looking at numbers.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the thing that I realized is that When I actually look back at like my uh, grade reports when I was in elementary school, it was a classic, doesn't pay attention, could do really well. And like my GPA in high school was not very good. My GPA in college was eh, okay. My master's was really good. My PhD was like four point. And I realized what was happening was I was focusing on things that interested me. Yep, that's, that's it. And, you know, and so what I tell students is try to find something in a class that interests you, you know, because... Especially if you have ADD, uh, you know the word import, important just doesn't exist. You know, important doesn't mean anything. Only interesting is what is going to register with us. And so you got to figure out how am I going to make this interesting. And sometimes it's a game internally you have to play mm-hmm. in your head. I think. And I, and I
1: remember when I was in college, I would often uh, renegotiate my assignments to to kind of yeah. tweak it towards my area of interest. So what I'm going to do right now is I am going to open up the seats. Um, so, if anyone wants to hop in and ask uh, you or, or I a question, or if someone wants to just post questions in the uh, in the chat here, so as we are, uh, we're waiting for that.
0: So, are you excited about New Orleans? Have you been to New Orleans before? I've
1: never been to New Orleans, so cool. I, and I and I am excited, and it's interesting too because you know I'm I've been doing um, some work on some of the the national subcommittees that I keep getting like added to these like. Uh, like panels and leadership training, things that they want me wow. doing. I'm like, oh, uh, okay, sh- sure. Oh, and then I you know, I was like, what What, what, what am I doing?
0: I want to go look around. Yeah, that's the problem with some of those conferences is you go to a city, but you are in the hotel the whole time. You don't really get a chance to. Right, right. But you need to go to the French Quarter and get beignets. Have you heard about that? The, Someone is telling di, me about that. Yeah, like deep fried donuts just caked in powdered sugar. So it's probably the worst thing in the world for you, but Sounds it's so, so good. I mean, like freshly made there, and ah, it's so good. Yeah. You
1: now, if I uh, go on a junk food binge tonight, this could be. I'm going to blame you because you plan yeah, to get a seed in my brain. Yeah,
0: blame it on me. That's that's fine. Yeah. So,
1: um, it was I, I, you know, it's funny. I think a while back, I was on my podcast. I was talking about um, um, sharing some kind of accountability for myself for some weight loss goals that I have. And usually if when I share um, a, a, something like that and then you don't hear from me for a while about that, um, two, there's two explanations. One, I don't want to talk about it because I'm not doing so well with it. Or the, the other is I just forgot that I did that. Um, yeah. So I do want to say, because I think it was, I, I, I don't know, six, seven months ago, right, where, where I talked about how I had gained some weight and I want to lose weight and I was kind of struggling with it. So I want to use this chance while we were waiting for someone to take a seat here um, so that I am just almost at my, my, uh, my goal. And I'm almost seeing a one on the scale. I'm very, very close.
0: Sweet, Sweet. So This morning yeah. I was 200.5.
1: Ah. At some point this year, I was beignets, like, two, you shouldn't be talking
0: about beignets I, I
1: was like 223 at some point this year. And, um, uh-huh. I, I feel really good about that. Um,
0: But isn't that one of those things like weight loss is, you know, it seems like one of the things like Dave Ramsey talks about financially is you can do whatever you want, but you can't do everything you want. I think like with ADD, you know, for a project, you can do whatever you want, but you can't do everything. You can do anything, but not everything. And so, like, you can't really lose 20 pounds. You can lose an ounce. You can – all you can do today is like, okay, I won't have that big box of Oreos and eat the whole thing, you know, or I will park – lot longer that's what i end up doing is i try to park as far away as i can and so i can control that but i really can't control whatever's on the the scale you know and now i'm being a therapist there you go but uh the
1: table tab have yeah, turned know,
0: yes and so you know to me that it really helps like i i can't lose 20 pounds or so maybe i can not eat a cookie i can do a little bit of exercise but ultimately that's a that's a reflection of something that is a little bit beyond my control. You know, it's it's just how much gravity you're pulling down on the earth. And um, so, yeah, you can have a beignet. I will. Yes, that will. Uh, do, do, well, you can have one.
1: The beignet and beers go together because, you know, it's.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Louisiana. So, uh, yeah, you know, open drinking. Yeah, it's yeah. The French Quarter is pretty crazy. So,
1: uh, yeah. And I don't even know if I'm going to. Really do much uh, sightseeing there because com- like yeah. So it's pronounced Bin Yay Ye. yeah, I don't even know what I bin said. Ye. Yeah,
0: but I think she did spell it up there. Yeah, B E I G N E T S. Yeah, and they have a really good cafe. <laughs> I want to get
1: some big nets.
0: Too. <laughs> yes, the food is so good there. Oh my goodness! Wow, that's, that's what I have heard. Yeah.
1: All right, so, so it looks like we have no we have no takers. On uh, on asking any questions, which is absolutely fine. Maybe people are using some some good impulse control. I think that I've had people come on the pod on you know in these blabs. They go, "I wasn't planning on uh, joining," and 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 then they like share everything personal in their entire life. Um, So you know, (laughs) yeah, that's that's
0: what this format. I think it's really interesting, but it's also the middle of the little bit of wild west, isn't it? It's like you don't really know. And the what you handled the one a while ago who said. ADD was a myth or something. I thought you handled that so well. Uh, Level headed, you just, you know, very thoughtful in what you said. And I I really appreciated that a lot.
1: You know, I always look at at those as opportunities for for learning. And when I see someone who is, you know, going into a post and saying ADHD isn't real, it's like, okay, this is a person who's either hurting or, you know, is dealing with some denial. And either way, probably actually just needs a hug um, and a little bit of information. (laughs) You know, so that's, yeah. what, that's what I, that's how I tried to, to uh, respond to them. And, and, then, and then after a while, after it was clear that I'm being compassionate with this person and, and they continue, that's when I say, okay, now you
0: are blocked from the room. Yeah. There's, and there's some people, extra grace required, you know, who, no matter what you do, they're just not going to get it and you just move on. You know.
1: so, yeah. So, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. You know, I always say trolls will be trolls. Yeah, I yes. saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, except for, where's the hair? If they're going to be a troll, we used to have fun hair.
0: Yeah, like green poking out or something like yeah, that. I used to,
1: yeah. I used to love, the, I, would, I would like fidget with them and make them, turn them into knots. and. and yes, those and, are awesome. And, and I may have lit a couple on fire.
0: I Who wasn't diagnosed right?
1: yeah. back then. So, you know, I may have done some things that, that kids ah, don't yeah. try this at
0: home. Yeah, All right. we used to throw rocks at each other, you know, when you were a kid. It's like, what are you think? It's like, I don't know, just his head was there, Throw a rock at it. So, I'm going to tell
1: you a funny story, Kent, all about that. So it, I think I was in sixth grade. I was at overnight camp. And um, this overnight camp that I was at, uh, this is the second year I was there. The first year I did a week. The second one I did four weeks. And wow. um, the second year, on uh, my fourth week via camp asked me to not come back. Um, and one of the things that had happened is like the straw that broke the camel's back was that I got in this like rock and berry fight with, with my bunk mate. So what it's fun is... To me, it's funny because then in high school, I met him through a youth group that I was involved in and we actually became like best friends in high school. The kid that I own got
0: kick out of camp for. Wow. The bonding. Yeah. That's how guys bond, right? You just throw each stuff at each other, you know.
1: Stupid stuff, And then we we you know bond up.
0: What the heck were we thinking? It's crazy when we survive. You know, I look back at some of the stuff and how how did I live through that? You know. You know, it's, it's. I mean, you
1: say that too, and I think about you know the our kind of modern parenting, almost epidemic, where it's like yeah. we have to, we're like wrapping our kids in bubble wrap because we're so concerned about like them getting hurt. We and were in the
0: station wagon, rolling around in the back, you know, going down the freeway, just rattling around. Nobody care where you survived. I guess. So. No, I'm
1: sitting in a front seat while mom's chain smoking, and and uh, you know, nobody's nobody's buckled up, and. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we made it that that ever happened um, yeah at least those cars were made out of like cast iron though right if you you couldn't even dent them if you tried you know
1: so it so, can I as I mentioned at the very beginning um, I need to give my brain a break because I have a, a 90-minute meeting coming up Sounds um, good so do me a favor tell uh, tell people who are here live and podcast listeners I'm um, aware they can reach out to you um, and if they want to connect with you ask you any questions or anything of the sort. So email address and stuff like that, whatever you feel comfortable with sharing.
0: Yeah, the probably the best place is through Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is all one word, dead theologians. Which sounds really morbid, but it's a it's a play on the dead, the, dead poet society, which is one of my favorite movies. And so, hey, why not have a dead theologian society? So um, all one word, dead theologians. So yeah, I it, it, probably need to get something different. But it's memorable. It certainly, so. certainly
1: is that. You know, unlike something like Kent Met.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's boring. Yeah, I actually did have a Twitter. It was Kent Kersey, but it was one of the first. And I think it was some settings were just really strange. So it's like, I got to try a new one. And um, so it seems to work. Yeah. So follow me there. I'd, I'd love to talk. Well, yeah. Kent,
1: thank you so much for, for sharing your story and for, uh, for coming on ADHD Rewired. And we will, uh, we will be in touch at a, at a future point. So thank you.
0: I really appreciate talking. I love your podcast. You are doing great work and uh, keep it up.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening
1: to another episode of ADHD Rewired. And if you're new to the show, welcome to ADHD Rewired. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. You can see a full outline of this and all other episodes with all the links and other resources mentioned during this interview at ADHDrewired.com. Help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors. I use Zoom video conferencing nearly every day, and so can you. Go free or go pro. But please, go to erictivers.com slash Zoom so they know that I sent you. And you can get a free audiobook from Audible at erictivers.com slash Audible. And next time you shop Amazon use the amazon search portal at adhdrewired.com. A small percentage of your purchase will go to support this show, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. You can also support this podcast by leaving an honest rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher. This really helps other people find this show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't just be a passive listener, be an active member of the ADHD Rewired community. We are on Facebook. You can like our page, but please submit your request to join our free and growing community. And don't forget to check your other inbox because I screen everybody before they come into our community. Looking for a coach? If you're still listening at this point and you answered yes, come to my website at ADHDrewired.com and schedule your free 20-minute consultation or call me at 224-993-9450. Is your school, business, or organization hiring speakers? I provide fun and engaging presentations full of practical solutions that both educate and entertain. Hire me for your next professional development day or corporate training event. Go to dot slash talks. Thanks for listening.
0: I'll catch you next week.